What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Those were the hardest three days in Abraham's life. He had to fight off these thoughts that would come to him, like that thought, and like the thought of, what kind of reputation am I going to have here, a murderer, being a murderer? And he's fighting off all these things and the strong plays that are, that are taking place on his heartstring, and he's thinking all the while, as we were pointing out last week, about his love and his affection for his son Isaac, and, and the whole point of those words in, in verse 4 on the third day is that Abraham didn't turn back as hard as it was, and the hardness of those three days, it's showing us and it's teaching us, it was hard for God the Father to give up the Lord Jesus Christ, to be our lamb, our Passover lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the, the sin of the world. And you can imagine during those three days how much Abraham thought about Isaac and how much he loved him with all the, with all the good night son and so forth and so on, and the love that's there between Abraham and Isaac comes out so clearly, just like the love of God the Father for the Lord Jesus Christ. When he spoke, God the Father spoke out of the clouds in Matthew 3.17, Matthew 3.17, where it says, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son, hear ye him? And then those three days, they, they teach us of God's feeling, when, as it says in, in Romans 8.32, Romans 8.32, he that spared not his own son, that's God the Father, not sparing his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, but delivered him up for us all. This makes us, this gives us the real passion behind John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, let's put a parenthesis there, and it hurt God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and that hurt that whoever believes in him should not perish, but, having, but have everlasting life. So we know how much Abraham loved Isaac. And these three days, we're made to feel that pain, that pain that the Lord Jesus talked about when he said in John 3.35, John 3.35, the Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hand. So this is the goal of Scripture in this passage, 
It's to make us enter into the other reality here of God the Father giving his son. And, and especially these three days is to make us enter, enter into this sorrow of Abraham as he's moving slowly toward, the, toward Mount Moriah where he's gonna sacrifice his son. I mean, feeling this is so important. You know, I have an Iranian friend in prayer meeting last Wednesday. He was, he was saying, you know, we, there's a great phrase in, in, in Farsi, you know, which I'm not fluent in, by the way, but anyway. Um, and he said, um, he says, for empathy. He says, empathy. He says, it's, it's, it's horsa hordan. And he said, what it means is, horsa is sorrow, hordan is eat. It means that you know, when you want to empathize in what you say in Iran, when you say in Farsi, you say, I ate his sorrow. In other words, you really felt it. And that's what God wants to do as we're reading this passage here, to eat the sorrow of Abraham and to realize that Abraham didn't turn back during those three days, even though he couldn't figure it out because because God had told Abraham in the chapter before, in, in Genesis 21.12, in Genesis 21.12, God had told Abraham, Abraham, it's in Isaac that you shall thy seed be called. So Abraham understood that out of Isaac, Abraham's great seed is gonna be called, and it all, all the promises that God gave to Abraham, they're all gonna stem out of Isaac. And if you ask Abraham, can you, can, how can your seed be, be called out of Isaac if you kill him and you burn him up? And, and Abraham said, Abraham, how can Isaac have children and grow into a great nation if you, if you kill him and you burn him up? Abraham, don't you know a pile of ashes doesn't have children? You know? And what are you doing, Abraham? And still Abraham marches on. For, for these three days, and he would have told us, he would have told us at that time, point, he would have said, you know, I can't honestly tell you, I don't know the answers to those questions. I mean, all I know is that the same God who made those promises to me about Isaac is the one that I have supreme loyalty to, like we were just singing about, and, and he's asked me to sacrifice Isaac. I just trust, I can't trace, but I trust where I can't trace. I just trust and obey he would say, look, my part is just to obey. God's part is to provide. God will do the providing. I'll do the, the, the obeying. And so we, we ask Abraham, we say, Abraham, why do you keep walking? It's, you keep walking for these three days. Why don't you turn back during these three days? Why, why are you going to do that? And you remember the, the, um, what I told you happened to me in Nairobi Airport with that lady and I kept asking her, you know, why are you going to Sudan? Why are you going to Sudan? Your kids are gonna get killed there. And she turned and she said, because God asked me to. And that's what Abraham would have said to us. Why are you doing this, Abraham? He just would say, because God asked me to. And those were the longest three days that Abraham ever had in his life. And it was the time when Abraham had to stand firm against the doubts that came into his mind. Like, am I really sure that God called me to sacrifice my son? Let me think about this. I mean, God called Abraham that one time and commanded Abraham to sacrifice his son, and then he leaves him alone for three days. It was, it was not like God had, had, had come to Abraham and said, okay, here, Abraham, just put this on here. Just put this spiritual headset on, okay? All right? Like that, Abraham. And, and I tell you what, Abraham, you be the pilot, and I'll be the control tower, and you have these spiritual headsets on, and I'm gonna speak to you all the way. We're gonna bring this plane down together. Here we go, Abraham. Yeah? And, and there was no spiritual headset for Abraham. 
It was not as though Abraham had the spiritual headset on and, and with every step, God is continually speaking to him. He said, you're doing fine, Abraham. One foot against the other, just the other. Doing great, just a little bit farther, just a, you know, over that hill, just, in a, just another hour, Abraham. Keep going, keep going. He, he didn't have any spiritual headsets like this. Not at all. That's not what happened. God spoke to Abraham one time and then left Abraham alone. No spiritual headsets from that point on. He left him alone. Abraham was the pilot and God was in the control tower and God's last word to Abraham was, bring the plane in alone and I'll see you on the ground in Mount Moriah there. And so for these three days, Abraham's alone and he's journeying alone without God speaking to him and this was the trial for Abraham. And this was Abraham having to fight off all the doubts and without the spiritual headsets on, doubts of, am I really sure? that God's called me to sacrifice with him. Maybe it really didn't happen. Maybe, after all, I can't see God. I, 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 don't, I don't hear God right now. Maybe he really didn't call me. Isn't that the way it is in our lives? That, isn't that what happened to us when we were saved? When we were saved, it was so wonderful, it was so glorious, it was just like the hymn says, heaven came down and glory filled our soul. And when we were saved, we really knew God was there. God was so real to us. But now we've been saved for a while and God doesn't seem to be there and God doesn't seem to be so real for me. And, and, and what do I do now? I remember my, 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 my best friend at that time, Mike Johnson, uh, he told me in 1970, just after I was saved, he, he told me that he had been saved. He was a Filipino. He, he is a Filipino. He, he said that he had been saved under the ministry of CFM, Christ for Greater Manila. And then Mike then joined the U.S. Navy, and, he, and then he started to have doubts. And doubts like, am I really saved? I mean, I don't feel saved. I mean, God doesn't seem real to me like he did before. Maybe I really didn't have an encounter with God and for Mike, that was like those three days of Abraham marching on his way there to Mount Moriah. And then in the ship that Mike was on in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, Mike resolved, look, I'm gonna resolve this once and for all. He says, I'm gonna keep reading my Bible and keep praying to God regardless of how I feel. And then later on, that was back in the 60s, and then later on, Mike would teach a Bible study at the San Diego City College, where, and that's where I met Mike as a student there and I met him just one week after I was saved, and he became my best friend. But just as Mike resolved at that time, I'm gonna keep reading my Bible, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna keep praying through this dry time, Abraham decided to just keep moving toward Mount Moriah, even though this was the most three difficult days of his life, he's all alone. And we read then, he finally gets there in verse four, and then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Now, when we read this, that Abraham lifted up his eyes, we can see that Abraham's probably walking like this, you know, with his head down, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, he lifts up, he looks up, he lifts up his eyes. And he came, he had come into this region of Moriah, and with every step, he's wondering, is this a spot? Is this it here? Is it here? Where is it? I don't know. But, and just as he lifts up his eyes from that trail, in the distance, he sees a small mountain, and that was the place. It was far away. How did he know? How did he know that was the place? I don't know. You have to ask Abraham. Maybe it was Shekinah glory. Maybe the Shekinah glory was there on the mountain. Maybe God just, you know, came back in and said, Abraham, that's it. That's the place. That's the place. But however Abraham knew, Abraham knew. 
He knew that he had reached the place for the sacrifice. That was Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah, the same place where the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified, within sight of the temple, within sight of the city walls, the Jerusalem city walls, that was it. It's in sight of the temple, the temple where the animal sacrifices were killed. That's the same place. So God reveals to Abraham that this, this is the place where you're to sacrifice Isaac, and God is revealing to Abraham the place where the Lord Jesus is gonna die. And that's what I believe, that's what the Lord Jesus would be referring to in John 8, 56, in John 8, 56, when he said, when the Lord Jesus said to the Jewish people, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. We don't know exactly what Abraham saw when, when the Lord Jesus said to Abraham that he's gonna see his day, but whatever he saw, he rejoiced. And it may be, it may be that Abraham was given the, the, the revelation like John to, to look into the future and to see that day when the Lord Jesus is gonna die as the Lamb of God for the sins of the world. Maybe he was allowed to see that in a vision that's gonna happen in that same Mount Moriah. It's just interesting that God reveals Mount Moriah as the place of sacrifice in this verse. He's revealing to Abraham where the Lord Jesus is gonna die in Bible here. God is revealing the place of his death, the Lord Jesus' death, before he reveals the place of his birth. Why? It's happened in Isaiah 7, 14. Why? Because, I mean, it's not Isaiah 7, 14. Anyway, it's somewhere in the Bible. You have to find it. So, because the death of the Lord Jesus is more important. It's of paramount importance. So Abraham lifts up his eyes, and he sees the place afar off. Now, let's put ourselves in Abraham's shoes here. Let's put ourselves in Abraham's place. It's just at that moment when he lifts up his eyes and he sees the place, that's it. I mean, did Abraham sigh at that point? Did Abraham stiffen up his lips? As for those three days, he's been knowing what no one else knew. Remember last week, we saw the video of, of President Bush when he found out, and he, he was the only one new there in that room apart from the person. Anyway, is this what happened? That he knows that he, he's gonna go to one of those mountains that God's gonna tell, of him, tell him about so he can sacrifice his son? I mean, Abraham is sure that God spoke to him to go to Moriah, go to sacrifice his son on one of the mountains. He knew that. And when Abraham set off on that 45-mile, three-day trip, you think that maybe Abraham had any doubts? God, God, maybe God's not gonna show me the mountain. Maybe I'm not gonna see the mountain. Or maybe Abraham thought during those four days that, that during this time, this is a storm, we can't imagine the storm of distress that's going on inside of his mind. And Abraham has to continually, quickly dismiss one thought after the, after, after the other. And he lifts up his eyes. He sees the mountain, and he knows that's it. And in verse 4, you think that maybe he might have, when he saw the mountain, he might have turned to Isaac. And you know what Isaac's name means? It means laughter. And you think he might have looked at, at, we say Isaac, Yitzhak, but it means laughter. You think he might have looked and he said, well, here's laughter. Here's laughter. Here's Isaac, here's laughter. He's brought such laughter into our home. Both Sarah and I, we, we yearned for decades for a child. And when God brought this son into our home, his name was laughter. He just, we, we just look at him, we just laugh. You know, we, we laugh at, and he's just filled the home with laughter. I remember the day when Isaac was weaned it was such an important thing. They had a great feast, a great celebration in the home. I mean, who has a celebration when a child's weaned? Well, they did. The celebration of the weaning of Isaac. 
And it was such a time of great laughter in our home, he would have thought to himself, and, he, and, and now I'm called to sacrifice him and burn him up? My little laughter? The laughter in my life? I can't bring laughter home? And you think that maybe Abraham might have looked at Isaac and, and just thought about the laughter in their lives that he had brought in? And turning his eyes from, from, from Isaac, you think at the moment that, that, can't you see Abraham then turning his eyes to God, maybe he prays something similar to what the Lord Jesus prayed when he lifted up his eyes and he thought about the cross that he was gonna die on and he prays this momentous prayer in John 17. In John 17, one, it says, then Jesus spake, then spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. He gave him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. This is the life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. And he goes on, he says, I've glorified thee on the earth. I've finished the work which thou gavest me to do. I mean, that was a great, the hour is come time. That was a great, the hour is come prayer of the Lord Jesus, just like Abraham. So the Lord Jesus, he, he lifts up his eyes and he sees in his mind that same hill of Moriah and he realizes, I'm gonna die on a cross on that hill the same place that Abraham saw afar off. You know, when the Lord Jesus saw in his mind that same hill, he'd see, he so often had looked at that hill when he, when, when he came to Jerusalem. And it's just like Abraham, the Lord Jesus knew what no one else knew, just like Abraham. And can you imagine the Lord Jesus, he's, during those great celebration times, like Passover in Jerusalem, when he would be there and there'd be the great celebration of how God delivered the Jewish people from Egypt, wonderful times. And during those times of celebration, the Lord Jesus was there in Jerusalem. And can you imagine how, how he, like Abraham, lifted up his eyes and saw that Mount Calvary, that Mount Moriah Calvary afar off? It's just, like, it's just a few blocks from the walls of Jerusalem. And when the Lord Jesus saw that same Mount Moriah, you think he would have thought to himself, yep, that's the same mountain that Abraham saw afar off. Just like, Albert, just like Abraham held that secret that, Ab that Isaac was gonna be sacrificed up there on that hill, I'm holding that secret also that I'm gonna be sacrificed up there on that hill. You think that maybe during those times when the Lord Jesus looked at Mount Calvary there that he thought, yep, just like Abraham spent his three days on his march, slowly making his way to that Mount Moriah, Mount Calvary, to make the great sacrifice of Isaac, I'm spending my three years on my slow march, slowly toward the same mountain, Mount Calvary, to make the great sacrifice of myself. But, but as with Abraham, it was just all this great secret that the Lord Jesus had, that he's gonna die for the sins of man on Mount Calvary. I mean, there were times when the Lord Jesus tried to reveal the secret to his disciples, like, like, like when he went to Peter, and he, and he said in Matthew 16, 21, Matthew 16, 21, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me. Thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. So the Lord Jesus, there he is. He's trying to reveal to them the great secret that he's gonna die 
This so offended Peter, the disciples, but Peter in particular, it says he took the Lord as if to shake the Lord, as if to shake some sense into the Lord. And he rebukes the Lord, and he's, he's saying to the Lord, put it out of your head, put it way far away from you suffering and being killed. May that be the farthest thing that ever happens to you. And the Lord reacted with such a reaction against Peter's rebuke that he turns the, the rebuke. He, he says, he's trying to turn me away from the cross. And the Lord saw Satan, it was Peter was speaking, the Lord saw Satan's words coming right out of Peter, right out of the pit of hell. And he looks squarely at Peter, and he addresses Satan directly, and he orders the devil, retreat, get behind me. You are only interested in what, what interested to man, but not what interests to God. And we just figure, when you think about this, and the Lord does this, and he walks away and says, I tried, but it didn't go so well. And the Lord was frustrated and how Peter and the disciples, they understood nothing about his going to suffer and die for their sins. And they didn't understand about a suffering Messiah who's gonna die for their sins. And Peter and the disciples were just like the Jewish people today. You know, so offensive to the Jewish people today about, about, about Jesus, about the Lord Jesus. I'll tell you what it is. It's the notion that their great Messiah is gonna come to earth and be abused and mistreated and suffer and die? No, no, no. They say, our, our Messiah, our Messiah, suffering and dying for our sins, that be far from us. You've got to be kidding, that's not us. And so the Lord tried to reveal the great secret and he just moved on. I mean, would Abraham, would he even try to reveal to the young servants about what was gonna happen, the great secret that God called them to? Maybe for a moment, who knows, do you think? Maybe for a moment, Abraham considered to try and explain to his servants that, that what God had called him to do with Isaac. But if Abraham did, it wouldn't take long for Abraham to say, no, out of the question, absolutely not. Because Abraham knew it was impossible for them to understand and to accept that God had called him to sacrifice his son Isaac. And just like the Lord, who saw that his disciples would not accept that he was gonna die for their sins, but just, and so he just moved on with his life toward Mount Moriah, and Abraham moves on with the march to Mount Moriah, and he knows no one's gonna, gonna understand this, and just as if for Abraham, there was only one person who understood, and that was God. And so Abraham spoke to God, and the same for the Lord Jesus. He, he, he's speaking to God in John 17, one, the Lord Jesus, when he says, Father, the hour is come. And when the Lord Jesus says that, he, he, he looks back over his life and he kind of summarizes it. He says in verse four, I have glorified thee on the earth. I finished the work which thou gavest me to do. I mean, the Lord Jesus there is looking back over his life. You think that in verse four, when, when Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar so off, maybe he thought back and reviewed the life of Isaac there and just thought about him. You think that Abraham in verse four lifted up his eyes and when he was doing that, maybe his knees started to buckle. Maybe, maybe, maybe he started to get kind of shaky. And that would be the time when Abraham would have to say to himself, Isaiah 35.3, Isaiah 35.3, strengthen ye the hands and confirm the weak, the feeble knees. So in verse four, he's looking out there and maybe he feels like, I can't do this. I can't do this. But Hebrews 12.12, Hebrews 12.12 says, wherefore lift up the hands that hang down and the feeble knees and make straight the paths for your feet. Maybe think that, 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 that Abraham kind of thought to himself, you know, when God called me back home to sacrifice my son, it was all kind of a distant thing in the future. 
But now I'm here and I'm looking at the place. I can see it afar off and it's become so real, so at hand. I just don't know if I can do this. And if Abraham thought that, that would be the time for him to, to, to that when he needed the advice of Psalm 31:24. Psalm 31:24, which says, be of good courage, he shall strengthen your heart, all you that hope in the Lord. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.